Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog, the best in the business, delivering another great episode to you today. You know, recently I've been asked by multiple business owners about the most effective way to turn prospects into clients or customers. And when I mention social selling, I get back the blank stare. And you know, the reality is many businesses don't use or consider social media to find, connect with, understand, and nurture sales prospects. They don't realize how powerful a tool it is for branding and lead gen and how the ROI beats out other mediums. Well, the timing is perfect because my guest is a branding visionary who's going to revolutionize the way you think about generating demand through personal branding, employer branding, and social selling. And let me just say, she's an absolute doll. In fact, my guest today is none other than Sima Doll. Now, to give you some background on Sima, her early career as an award-winning marketer paved the way for Sway Factor. Her groundbreaking approach to personal branding for professionals that strengthens business and employer brands alike. Now, Sima has traveled from Boston to Budapest to show sales, marketing, and HR leaders how to drive sales, attract top talent, and increase retention, and to help career go-getters achieve their personal and professional goals faster. Now, she works with forward-thinking associations and corporations in many industries and includes Assurance Agency, BMO Harris Bank, Clarion Construction, Equity Residential, Howard Hughes Corporation, Misero Financial, and United Airlines amongst her clients. Now, Sima is one of just 12% of known speakers worldwide to earn the Certified Speaking Professional designation from the National Speakers Association, and one of just 87 to earn the accredited speaker credential from Toastmasters International. Only three women in the world have earned both. Very, very impressive. Now, Sima holds a BA from the University of Illinois, where she was an Edmund James Scholar and an MBA from DePaul University where she graduated with honors. Sima, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome to the One Broken Cog podcast. Brian, it's absolutely my honor to be here. Thank you for that rousing introduction. Anytime, anytime. You deserve it. You know, and I got to tell you, it's true. So many professionals and businesses, they really don't understand the power of branding or social selling. We'd love to hear from your perspective because you are the expert. Why personal branding and social selling along with employer branding is so important today and age to a business? You know, it's crazy. I spent my my early career as a corporate marketer in the B2B space. And I remember back in the day, like arguing with the salesperson to put their leads in, you know, salesforce.com. To, to share their leads so we could track them across the organization. And the smartest salespeople were like, oh, heck no, these are mine and I'm taking them with me because it's a personal relationship. It's always been about who do you know, like, and trust. And when we look at social platforms today and we look at the way we show up online and our digital footprint, what I'm calling your personal brand, which is who you are, it's what you do, what makes you special, and quite frankly, it's who knows it, right? It's all about using the power of you to reach your business goals. And it's an exciting opportunity for so many businesses because it's like, it's something they've never considered. Yeah, it's, it's amazing why they haven't. Uh, what do you think as far as, you know, we have a lot of business professionals that want to stand out to their potential clients. You know, they're reaching out. How do you think a professional, whether it be a business owner or a business professional employee, uh, should start thinking about their personal brand? Where should they begin and focus on right out of the gate? Yeah, 
I love the question because it's something I myself have given a lot of thought to. Uh, you know, I made my, my career, I made a name for myself with my ability to articulate complex, high-tech brands, you know, 50 words or less. What does an ERP system do? But I remember when I was laid off, literally 24 hours after I got laid off, meeting a fellow marketer who said, what do you do? And I couldn't answer her because I had just been laid off. And I thought to myself, well, it's funny that you should ask. And before I could finish explaining to her that I'd recently been laid off, she got kind of up in my grill and she asked me, what do you want to do? And again, I fumbled to answer that question. And I realized that we have to be able to articulate our brand value, our value proposition. So I ask people to think of this question, right? So if somebody asks me, hey, Sima, who do you know who, dot, dot, dot. And Brian, you want to be the answer to that dot, dot, dot. I call it owning your ellipsis. Who do you know who can come into my organization and help align sales and marketing and HR so that we're working seamlessly together, you know, coach my clients, work with my senior leadership. And I think, God, that's, you know, Brian Olson would crush that. That's how I want you to back into your personal brand value. When somebody asks me, who do I know? And I think of you, that's how you're etched in my mental Rolodex. Your listeners probably don't know what a Rolodex is, but they can Google it, right? <laughs> Your mental CRM. How do I think of you? What space do you own in my brain? That's really where it starts. That's great. No, it makes perfect sense. Now, as far as like a business owner and the business itself, there's always a fine line between branding yourself as the, as the business owner or executive in that business or the business itself. Do they really go hand in hand because that person is an extension of the business? How do you kind of differentiate the branding of the business and the individual in the business? It's a great question only because it's super top of mind for me. I literally just wrote an article for LinkedIn on that very topic last week. But I look at someone like yourself and you are a business owner, co-founder, but you are very actively involved in delivering the business solutions rather than somebody who is a business owner but not involved at all, not customer or client facing. So for someone like you, you have to straddle both sides of that coin. Like here's what the business is and here's my role in delivering it versus somebody who is the CEO of, you know, a, a large company that has a big brand name, say Motorola or a consumer brand like Pepsi. It's more about what they do in the organization and their leadership because what the company does is generally understood. At the end of the day, it's a personal decision. I do a lot of work with business owners who have companies between 50 and 500 million, and it is a decision only they can make for themselves. Do you wanna talk about your expertise, what makes you a great servant leader, CEO, people manager, or do you wanna own this space that your company fills? I like to see people do what you do, which is keep sort of one foot on each side of the equation. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. What do you think as far as, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn, which I think is a, is a great tool. 
and a lot of people are getting it wrong, right? We know this. We've seen, we've all received those messages where, hey, let's connect. And then two seconds later, hey, let me try to sell you something, which is the wrong way to do it. What do you think as far as online where somebody should begin? Do you think it would be LinkedIn or it would be something else as far as building that personal brand or that business brand? <laughs> I honestly think you can't, you cannot deny the power of LinkedIn. Your profile's indexed by Google, and it's the first place people look to understand your business story. That being said, I generate a lot of referrals by how I show up on other platforms. I tell, I tell my clients to think of Facebook like the backyard barbecue. A little bit relaxed, right? You're there to have fun. You can't talk about yourself the whole time, or you know, you'll never get invited back. But the people who I'm connected to on Facebook, every blue moon, I remind them who I am and what I do. And when they are able, they absolutely open doors and connect dots for me. Same with Twitter is more like a, the cocktail party, right? You're trying not to spill your drink. Uh, don't win the lampshade award. Don't stand in the corner talking about yourself the whole time or you'll never get invited back. But you got a business card in your wallet somewhere. You're at the party. Somebody says, hey, what do you do? You need to be able to tell them, right? Whereas LinkedIn is more like the conference, the trade association, your on-brand business card in every pocket. It, what I tell my clients is if you would rather stick a hot poker in your eye than ever tweet, by all means, stay far, far away from Twitter. But I think being on LinkedIn, being smart on LinkedIn, having a polished, perfect profile, that's just table stakes to doing business these days. It is. It isn't any tips or, or uh, words of wisdom for somebody who's trying to really optimize it to stand out as far as being a business or just being a, a professional out there. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to give some advice that may sound contrary, but People find it really difficult to talk and write about themselves. And as, as many years as I've been training and coaching people to do exactly that, it never gets easier. I myself have difficulty writing my own bios. So what I advise people to do is look at a job description that makes them really excited. It could be the job you have today or the job you want in the very near future. And, you know, something that inspires you, something that's sort of an aspirational brand position for you. And look at those keywords and phrases. Look at all the skills. You're like, I got that. And then look at the ones where you're thinking, hmm, maybe that's a bit of a delta for me, a gap I need to bridge. And write your profile to write yourself into that job. The, the LinkedIn profile, listen, it's not a resume. It's certainly not a cut and paste of your resume. I want you to think of LinkedIn as a sales tool. I want the recruiter or the client or the prospective employer to read your profile and say, wow, I've got to meet this person. I want to learn more. Get that first phone call, that first phone screen, right? Get somebody to say, I'm going to return this salesperson's call because they look like they know their stuff inside and out. They're personable, they seem likable, and certainly they look like a subject matter expert. So sometimes backing into it by looking at what somebody else wants or looking at a proposal, an RFP, is a little bit easier 
than looking in the mirror. Yeah, no, it really is for sure. And that brings me to this question about mistakes that people make. You know, you see sometimes some consistent mistakes on LinkedIn or, or social media. What are, what are some of the common mistakes that you have seen and maybe some tips to kind of overcome them? Sure. Well, let me tell you what a mistake doesn't look like. It doesn't look like a typo or not knowing how to do something. I think people hold themselves back online because they're deeply afraid at some subconscious level, they're going to embarrass themselves or break the internet. And if you've made it your entire career fairly unscathed, let me tell you, you can handle LinkedIn. The Kardashians already broke the internet. So just being a little bit bolder and taking action is where it starts. Now, common mistakes that I do see is talking about yourself in the third person it's like a bad Seinfeld skit. You know, say I enjoy, you know, my clients benefit from, look, I know you wrote it, or at least it should look like you wrote it. Be you. Another mistake I see is people trying to be very serious. Like, it's no fun to be me. All I do is work, work, work. And I use really big words and half sentences no, 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 no. I want, to, I want you to show me a little leg. Be personable when it's appropriate. Poke fun at yourself. Talk about what you do in your free time. Listen, if you and I are going to do business together, I'm going to learn all these things about you anyway. Or if I'm going to hire you to work for me, or if you're going to hire me to work for you. So being a real human being is what I call the way to play. And I'll give you one more mistake, and that is in assuming that you have to connect with only those people who can buy from you or hire you. I have so many people I coach who say, there's no point in connecting with the people that I met in the first half of my career. I don't do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. And Brian, you and I both know that everybody knows somebody who needs what it is we do. The world is just getting smaller. You have to be found by the people who need you through the people who know you. So really having a large network on LinkedIn, it's not like collecting friends on Facebook. It really affords you greater visibility and top of mind awareness to the people who are looking for exactly what it is you do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what do you think? You mentioned something interesting about showing the leg, right? And that kind of piqued my interest because lately I've been seeing a lot of women on LinkedIn showing a lot of leg. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this yourself. <laughs> do, you, do you think this is a, uh, a good technique or it's kind of a desperate attempt to sell something? I mean, and maybe that's their brand. I'll give you an example. I know somebody on LinkedIn who is a licensed supposed uh, orgasmicologist, right? Which is somebody who teaches people how to have orgasms, I guess. And you would think that person, maybe they show something, right? But no, I mean, very professionally dressed and whatnot. And then you have other people in much more serious industries showing a lot, you know, to kind of attract people to connect with them and sell that way. Have you seen that? And what do you think about that? I, I have seen it. And what's funny is sometimes you find somebody with a, a very uh, revealing photo. And then when you look at LinkedIn and you see uh, the other profiles people took a peek at, 
it seems like they all kind of come from the same stock. In fact, sometimes <laughs> I wonder if those are real photos or perhaps purchase photos of flawless artwork, if you will. Uh, but no, I think it's misguided here on LinkedIn. Uh, just because somebody's doing it doesn't mean that's what we should all follow suit. I like to, I like to encourage people to use imagery that makes them look likable, but also trustworthy. Look straight in the camera and say, I mean business and save some of that uh, leg bearing or shoulder bearing. Uh, we'll leave it there. Leave that for uh, other places, preferably private locked down places where not the world can see. <laughs> there you go. It's kind of like a catfish LinkedIn style, right? <laughs> right. So Sim, I got to ask you, you know, Sway Factor, it's your, your go-to, you're known for it. Maybe you can explain what it is and how we can utilize it and increase our Sway Factor. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I had to come up with a phrase to capture my meaning because at, at my core, I'm a, I'm a marketer and marketers need their shtick. So mine is sway factor. And I define that as the way you behave, the degree to which you behave in such a way that the people you meet offline and online understand how you want to be known. It's everything from how you say hello and introduce yourself to those first impressions you make on social media, your ability to lean into a conversation in a meeting or on Zoom and speak your mind. All the behaviors that have you standing out, contributing something relevant and generating demand for your skills. And what people can learn, you know, I'll define your personal brand as equal parts, character, competence, and charisma. And, and people at a, at, a, at a gut level, they think, oh, well, you're born with that. And it's anything, anything but the truth. You can have a shady past and become somebody who's, you know, found their true north and cleans up their acts. You can be somebody who uh, learns new skills goes uh, back to school, takes training, increase your competence. And as far as charisma, you can absolutely learn to, I call it flip your dimmer switch to the spotlight setting. You can learn to step into the spotlight. So it's all behaviors you learn and you practice so others know how you can help, how you serve in, a, in big picture, how do you make the world a better place? Because when I know that about you, Brian, I can make introductions, I can open doors, I can refer you, and I become a member of your virtual personal sales force. That's what Sway Factor is. I like it. So on a scale of one to 10, where do I land on the Sway Factor meter? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're through the roof, Brian. I mean, this is not our first conversation and I love the passion you bring for the work you do and just keep it up and keep sharing what you know with others. Listen, a lot of people think the social networking or, or personal branding takes a lot of work. It doesn't take hours and hours a week. It takes small steps forward in the right direction, repeated consistently. So rethinking the way you introduce yourself. So I could say 
I'm the president of Sway Factory Inc. And that doesn't mean anything to anyone. But rather I tell them, you know, I'm a speaker and I'm a trainer. I work with executives to teach them how to generate demand for who they are and what they do. That's a far different introduction and far more useful. So I practice that. I practice optimizing my profile, sharing relevant content, and you know, whether I have five minutes a day or just you know an hour once every couple of weeks, I'm always chipping away at my sway factor. I love that. That is great. Now, as far as social selling goes, you know, it is so effective. You know, there's so many people that we've put through campaigns as far as Facebook Messenger or Instagram. It, it depends sometimes on what type of business you're talking to, right? So I'd love to get your opinion on what types of businesses should really be embracing social selling and maybe it's not a fit for everybody. I'd love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, sure. You know, with, with me and my clients, social selling refers to the behavior the individual salesperson undertakes. So how they behave online, how they prospect and engage, and how they share content. So, you know, typically we don't see somebody who is selling an insurance or selling uh, medical devices, leveraging Messenger on Facebook as much. But we do see those people positioning themselves as thought leaders, actively seeking to grow and expand their network, sharing content once a week is my recommendation that has people uh, keeping you top of mind for who you are and what you do for what you know, and then using these really easy tools to find targeted buyers or employees you could be looking for people to work for your company and earning the right to engage with them by being smart, by being respectful. Like you said earlier, it's not about connecting with a stranger and then asking them, you know, to become part of your multi-level marketing scheme. You know, we've all, we've all received those. The occasional marriage proposal gets mixed in there too. It's ridiculous. We immediately write those people off. We shut it down. Whereas somebody thoughtful like you who has so much experience and expertise, willing to share it, to ask probing questions, that's really the big win. So uh, that's a long answer. Short answer is a, a complex cell, right? A complex cell that takes some thought and some dialogue. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it depends, like you say, what tools to use for what business and knowing your audience, right? Knowing your, your target demographic, the people you're going after and the industry in itself and coming up with a really smart way to approach the marketplace. Very, very good. And that infrastructure, I think as you mentioned, the infrastructure as far as social selling is building up that personal brand because it goes hand in hand when you're reaching out to these businesses or employers looking for work, you know, you have to have that infrastructure. It has to be a complete profile. It has to be, you know, robust, but not too robust, right? Like you say, but yeah, yeah, hundred percent. My model's really simple, right? If, if you want to knock on digital doors and expect people to answer, then you yourself have to look worthy of that conversation. If you leave me a voicemail or send me an email and I look you up online and it doesn't look like you can get out of bed in the morning, I'm really disinclined to, to get back to you in any kind of hurry. And it's so true on LinkedIn. So just looking the part is a big initial hurdle that I find most sales leaders and business owners really need to think through. 
So first, looking worthy of a return phone call, of a response. And then second, showcasing and sharing what it is you know in an easy, consistent way. Like I said, I try to update my status or share some news once every seven to 10 days, right? Because it's not like Twitter. We're not there every millisecond consuming all this content. But over time, we discover it. We come to see you, remember you. Again, you get etched in our brain. And then when you ask me for a conversation, you've built up credibility. You look worthy of the part. You know, some 69 to 80% of the research that goes into a B2B purchase is conducted before the very first conversation with the sales rep. It means the buyer's online looking at you, looking at your peers, your company, reading competitive reports, talking to people who've done business with you before you even get a shot. So it really does matter. No, definitely. And you make a great point about growing your network because a lot of times if there's a prospect or if there's a potential employer and they see that you're connected to people they're connected to, there's somewhat of an affinity there. You know, you know the common people and it's a little bit easier for an intro, as you mentioned. Now, I just have a couple of, of quick questions left for you here. Sure. As far as recently, right? So we're in the middle of a crazy election, right? I looked at the, the calendar. I'm like, my God, we're so close. I'm, I'm starting to get nervous about this for some reason. But the reason I mentioned this is because on social media, even on LinkedIn, you're seeing people take a stance. And what I mean by that is, you know, you see people putting up, you know, uh, pro-Trump or Black Lives Matter, whatever it is. Do you think this is a smart move? Because sometimes what it looks like is you may be alienating certain people. And when they look into you, they may just say, no, just because of your political affiliation or your religious views or something like that. What do you think about this current shift uh, by taking, and I think a lot of people, they, they tie this into their core values, you know, our business's core values align with this. Do you think it's a mistake or should they go that route? Oh my God, Brian, I love this question on so many different levels. First, you should know I'm a Libra, so I'm going to give you both sides of the answer. Great. When, I a, when I was a young girl, I remember my mom saying, uh, no matter how cold it is, never wear your fur coat to a job interview. <laughs> right? <laughs> because what if, the, what if the interviewer is like the president of the local PETA chapter? Right. Um, and it just, she just had a funny way with words. But, you know, my name, my name Sim is from a Hebrew word. And when I was growing up, um, and I'm probably three times your age, right? But when I was growing up, it was an era where people were still uncomfortable sharing uh, their religious background. In fact, my dad's first name was Milton, and he was in door-to-door -door sales. And he used the name Mike because he didn't want to even invite prejudice before he had a shot to make the sale. And, I, and those are lessons that were, uh, you know, buried deep within me when I was raised. My mom always said, you know, when you're traveling overseas, um, you say you're Swiss, you never say you're, you're Russian. <laughs> like, because they grew up in an era where it was very scary to be different or being known for your religious beliefs or your heritage. So flash forward to my adult life, and there's a part of me who doesn't want to work for anybody who's going to think differently because of my race or my background, right? And then, then it becomes a point of pride, like, are you kidding me? If I have to be afraid to tell you my dad's family were Russian Jews, we have a problem. I don't even want you as a client. So there's both sides of the equation. Now you enter social media. And I always tell my business owners, if you are comfortable with only doing business with half the world, then go ahead, scream your politics, 
because that's what they do in all capital letters. They think I can't find them on Twitter, and there they are. Just the other day, I was talking to a person about some marketing services, did my due diligence, Googled her before our first phone chat, and she was a conspiracy theory. And she thought the global pandemics was a, a giant hoax. Wow. Some of your listeners may as well. But let me tell you, this 52-year-old asthmatic is playing it really, really safe. And I thought to myself, there's no way I could work with somebody who goes onto public platforms and in all capital letters is screaming this kind of, you know, polar viewpoint. So to answer your question as succinctly as I might if I were on stage is tread carefully because the best employer or the best client may see things slightly different than you and is that differing viewpoint that can take your business or your career to the next level. That being said, we can't work with people who have, who have deep, dark convictions that fly in the face of what we know to be true and right. And so that's where I draw the line. No, that's a great answer. There's really no right answer because, like, as you say, it all depends, right? It depends on your business and where you want to go with it. So I totally understand that. So just a couple of real quick questions before we wrap up here. Sure. You know, you are a professional speaker, and I love that because, you know, the greatest fear of anyone is speaking in public, right? It's the number one fear of everybody. I've always wanted to do it. <laughs> You know, I've done it to a small degree, not nowhere near as large as you. Uh, how did you get started into it? Was that something that you really wanted to do or something you fell into? I, you know, I wish I could tell you I wanted to do it, but I fell into it. And it was after I started speaking because a friend would ask me to talk to his sales team or somebody else would ask me to MC uh, an event, you know, here locally in Chicago, that I realized at different points in my career, I was always tapped to hold the mic. You know, it's starting all the way back in seventh grade when my history teacher made me give this speech at the Honor Society. You know, and I thought, what, is, what do other people see that I myself have been unwilling to look at? And when I leaned into a career as a speaker, I discovered not only am I, am I decent, but I'm passionate about it. And it's the passion that really helps you connect with your audiences when you're on stage. Now, of course, it's, it's not anything I continue to fall into. I'm actively seeking engagements um, and more and more virtual engagements given our global pandemic. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're doing a great job as well. So very last question. It's more of a personal question to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Uh, you know, you're, you've been sentenced to live your, the rest of your life on an island and you can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What would they be? Oh, okay, the book, that's an easy one because I'm a word nerd. I have been a word nerd since I learned to read and I'm bringing the dictionary because my, <laughs> the thing that drives me crazy is when I think of a word but I can't remember the word and I literally have to like stop the conversation and go Google the word. So the word is there. Um, movie would be something super trippy like a, like a Blade Runner or an Altered States, something very something sort of dark, twisted, and sci-fi. Yep, that's who I am. <laughs> and the third one was, what was the other one? Uh, album. Album. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Rolling Stones Hot Rocks. Oh, nice. Okay, that's a good one. Very good. <laughs> very good. Cat, little R&B, little rock and roll. Yeah, they've got it all covered. They're so versatile. I, I love them. I just saw a thing on, uh, I think it was Instagram, where there was an ACDC announcement with an amp plugging in. I'm like, oh, my God, a new ACDC is going to come out. This is fantastic. 
I've seen ACDC at concert twice. I've seen the Stones probably 10 times. I'm a huge live music junkie. So that was a harder question than I can ever impress upon you. You know what? I'll tell you, that kind of question, you could, it'd be a different answer every day as far as I'm concerned. And I have also seen ACDC live twice. Best concerts in the world. Um, Sima, it's been a pleasure. Any words of wisdom or anything you want to leave with the audience before we wrap up? Yeah. You know, I'll give you this final uh, thought, this thought starter. When you've got good news about your career, when you've accomplished something you're proud of, first of all, high five, kudos to you. But second of all, who else needs to know that you, that you are that good, that you've accomplished that level of, of expertise? Because when you let the world know how you can serve, you will consistently be called in greater service. And I do believe it's our job to tell the world what we can do, how we can help, what gets us excited about being who we are so that we can all vibrate at the highest level and really make the world turn in the best way possible. There you go. And how can people get in touch with you and check out all of your, the work that you've done? Oh, well, by all means, look me up online at simadoll.com. It's S-I-M-A-D-A-H-L. You'll find me on LinkedIn and Twitter and all the usual places and also simadoll.com. Fantastic, Sima. It's been a pleasure. Loved having you on. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And uh, yeah, looking forward to staying in touch and, and seeing as you progress your career and all the great things you're going to be doing. Yeah, right on and rock on, Brian. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Anytime. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.